0: at you live from the Empire of Lies, an oasis of truth, open debate, and intellectual diversity in the vast wasteland that is the New World Order under Joe Biden. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. So Rod, we made it to another weekend. No nuclear war. No. Tyranny throwing everyone in prison. Sure, some people, but we're safe, Rod. Is that fair, fair to say? Uh, thank God, yes. But but some aren't as lucky. And one of the people, and nothing bad's happened to him yet, but coming up on the show today, at the end of the show, appreciated interview with Wyatt Reed, the great correspondent for Radio Sputnik. Was over in Moscow now, and we talked yesterday. Wyatt Reed was put on the kill list by Ukraine. You saw that, right, Rod?
1: Uh, yeah, me and Wyatt spoke earlier, and uh, yeah, it's crazy that uh, Wyatt's on the kill list. I mean, I don't, I don't know who he's armed, but uh, I don't think he's done anything to deserve that.
0: Well, and I, and I told him thank you. and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. And every person listening should thank guys like Wyatt who wanted to put their life on the line for the truth. And I'll get to the clip in a second, but I'm going to say on the first hour of the show, we have the great Ian Schilling from London, England. Always fun to talk to Ian. He knows a lot of stuff. And Ian is truly a freedom-loving person. You've noticed that, right, Rod right exactly and he sees the problem with the new world order and with the WEF and it all ties in so Ian Schilling in the first hour and then we're taking your calls throughout the show 202 1320 in fact Rod Wednesday Ian on quarter after or half after uh, four 430 so half after ok because I know Ian stays up late so he's one of those guys we can get on a little later. Is that right, Rock? Right? Correct. So that's coming up on the backstory. Now I want to play this clip. This is the giant. How many people would you say were in that crowd in Russia?
1: Um, I didn't get like the total aerial view, but it, it's like I uh, like I told you, it seemed like a uh, New Year's celebration. So from the view I saw, at least. 30,000, 40,000 people.
0: Yeah, I, I would say higher than that, in fact, what, what I saw. But a very big crowd. Putin made a speech today basically announcing that the four regions that voted in the referendum, Kherson, uh, uh, uh Donetsk, and Lugansk, are joining Russia. They're coming back to motherland. That's, and you saw that speech. That was a big enthusiastic crowd of people waving Russian flags and very enthusiastic to see Putin. So let's play a clip. You won't be able to understand it. It's in Russian, but you'll hear the crowd a little. So let's hit it. I'm going to say what a contrast is, Rod, to see a country where people love their country and love their leader. Is that a contrast to this
1: country or what? Oh, yeah, for surely. um, Joe Biden couldn't pay that many people to come out to support him. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Putin's very enthusiastic, as as you say. That's something we also don't get from uh, our president. And he's over doing uh symbolic speeches in Philadelphia behind uh, a red you know a red background you know oval, uh, evil evil looking you know that's how it looked in a comic book or in a movie or something so that's what he's doing
0: yes and it's a, a distinct contrast now last night by the way we had an unusual experience my girlfriend Danny and I a neighbor is adamant he hates Putin And so she got into a discussion with someone about Putin. And this person adamantly hates Putin. Now, what's weird about that is Putin's not coming around, you know, knocking people's, keying people's car in South Dakota. Or, uh, you know what I'm saying, vandalizing their neighborhood. Putin's not here at all. So, but this person was very emotional about it. Have you noticed some people get really Psychotically emotional about Putin, who have n- no reason to be whatsoever.
1: Uh, not, not, not to that level you're talking about. But uh, yeah, just like a uh, a reactionary, almost, almost like they've been programmed. You know, um, and anything that's said, like you know, like, like just like the Nord Stream, they're like, yeah, you know, Putin's at it again, but not to the level you're saying. You know, that's that's like a extreme level.
0: Well, I'm glad you haven't had to deal with that. Wyatt Reed is indicated in washington he gets that a lot from people when they find out he works for sputnik they go kind of mental but i'm i'm just i know there's propaganda but there's something else going on that's causing that's triggering people and we know for sure rod the cia with MKUltra was looking in to ways to affect people's emotions does that make
1: sense I think th- I think they're doing it in through the entertainment, entertainmently. Uh, you know, all these movies, like Amazon puts out. Um, there's always something to do with Russia on uh, any of these shows. If there's anything terroristic now that happens, there's some some type of Russian. Uh, Russia has something to do with it. Um, so it's it's everywhere. And I know you know I don't watch these shows, but I see the clips of just the narrative. Um, you know, um, uh, so. And other shows that people used to watch, I, I can't remember the name of the one show right now that was on Showtime, that, you know, it was a lot of people liked it, and then it just started leading into a Russian narrative. I can't remember the name of it right now. I'm not sure oh, what you- I think Homeland, Homeland. Homeland, yeah. Yeah, Homeland, Homeland. Yeah.
0: And so, I don't know what's behind it, but I see it sometimes. People have a bizarre emotional response to Russia. And it's deeply ingrained, and I don't even think the people understand it. Because if you ask them, well, where do you get your information from? There are people who are probably skeptical of some stuff in the media. Does that make sense? They don't think of themselves as suckers. But when it comes to Putin, they've been sold on Bill of Goods, and they bought into it emotionally. And I've seen it occasionally. And it's, it's bizarre. And the thing I think about that is, I am glad, I am proud to be on the side of Russia and Vladimir Putin. I'm not shy about saying it. Because, you know what's disgusting? Is the atrocities that were perpetrated in World War II by the Bandarites against the Poles and the Jews in Galicia. That's You've seen that stuff, Rod. These are people who nailed babies to a tree. I'm going to say that again. They nailed babies to trees, right, Rod? I'm not making that up. You've seen that, right?
1: Yeah, I've spoken about that with with Jareth and uh, and his research, and you know, that's not some kind of that's not the kind of research I would like to be looking into. But uh, you know, obviously, he's uh, dedicated himself to it. And but yeah, this is 100 percent true. Uh, and it is a sick. It is a sick feeling to know that America is associated with this, and just like we were associated with uh, the the Taliban and Al Qaeda, uh, and um, so in the terrorists in Syria that we called the uh, the freedom. No, were they freedom fighters or the rebels? I forget which one they were. Uh, Barack Obama came out and said that we were supporting. I forgot the term. Usually,
0: and that's why we had we had on the show. Uh, Russell Bentley early in the week Rod got him as a guest And I love talking to Russell And Russell is like me A patriot And you feel the same way Rod Right? You're a patriot
1: Yeah of course I I love America You know I love what I used to remember In the 90's what I used to see But now here we are in the 2020's And it's the complete opposite It's it's total total chaos that we got uh, Here in America
0: Yes, and a lot of us feel that that the, the the country left us. We didn't leave the country. We did not drop our support for American values. But we are the empire of lies. And I'll tell you what else we are, is the empire of hypocrisy. Do you agree with that, Rod? That this is the most hypocritical country. If they start talking about something, you can bet... They're going to do the opposite. If they talk about Charlottesville Nazis, you can bet they're supporting Nazis in Ukraine with exactly the same flags and the same torches,
1: right? One hundred percent, Lee. One hundred percent. You know, it I, it just it's just so crazy. You know, I keep I keep having to say this. Like, you know, you're you're a, little, you're a couple years older than me, Lee. So I know it's even harder for you from you growing up and knowing America in the seventies and eighties. And seeing it now, if you were able to tell yourself at a younger age, you know this is going to happen, you'd probably think, uh, you know, you're on drugs. You know, <laughs> your future self is on acid. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, and in the seventies and eighties, the bad guys were the Republicans. I was watching comedian Bill Hicks the other night, and I remember that. And I I lived through it. Anyone who's old enough to remember the eighties, I'll say, remembers. The people who are pro-censorship and killing creativity were the Republicans. And that's turned around so much that Tucker Carlson is now banned in Ukraine. And Tucker Carlson, bow tie wearing Tucker Carlson, conservative Tucker Carlson, conservative libertarian, I'll be honest, uh, is now 100% the good guy. And he's demonized in the media. And I'll bet if Tucker got put on the kill list, do you know who would say, do you think any Democrats would say, well, I don't like Tucker, but I don't want him on the kill list? None of them would. The Democrats have sold out anything they ever stood for. Rod, what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, these are soulless creatures, Lee. And um, I think when you sell yourself out for a check of, for power, it's hard to come back from that. Uh, you know, um, a little bit off topic, but say on topic. Uh, you know, ESPN put out an article of, you know, there's a epidemic of of shootings happening at at football games, at high school football games. So I read the whole thing, Lee, and you know what they didn't men- they didn't want to mention, and they avoided throughout the whole thing was the shooters, the criminals who were doing the shooting. So you know what I mean, because that would go against the progressive values. And was it a race thing? No, uh, it's I don't, it, I don't, It's not a race thing. Obviously, a lot of these shootings are young black men or Hispanic men. But it's it just they didn't. It just they don't want to talk about the criminal. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that would go that would go against their narrative and their values that they they estout, which would be hypocritical. You know what I mean?
0: And by the way, if it was a, a white thing. I would want to report that. I don't care. I just want the facts. For instance, you know, a lot of the school shootings that we saw were young white men, right? It's Correct. clear. Correct. And you know, me, you saying that—if you did—it doesn't offend me because my sons are young white men too. It makes me go, "What's going on here?"
1: Well, the narrative, yeah, with well, well, the narrative in this one will be be t- since this is after school or at night. And, you know, not in school, you don't really hear about it. But there's a yeah, there's a lot of uh, shootings that happen at these football games that just happened. One at a at a practice in Philadelphia on video, clear as day, I think around four or four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, some young teenagers shot at other football players. And so, yeah, it, but it's happened all over the country.
0: And shock. It is shocking. So Command Central, you said, wait, Denny. OK, Dave, thank you. Command Central. By the way, thanks again to the great engineering that we have on the show and you, your great job as producer, Rod. I want to make sure everyone knows I am in gratitude to the people I work with and the audience every single day. 202 1320 Dave, what's on your mind?
2: Hi, Lee. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I I believe that there's seriously something wrong with the democrat party and i don't mean just the progressive the crazy ones who uh, shake my family is mostly democrat i in fact i supported jimmy carter so i go back to the 70s and uh it it i i cannot talk to my family about politics they they everything has to do with trump if i say something of that Biden is doing, all they do is talk about, well, Trump did this and Trump did that. And it, it, it's so hard to get through to these people that they don't seem to care what we do. They're going to believe the Russians blew up the pipeline. Why in the world would the Russians blow up their own damn pipeline? They can just turn it off. And it, it, it's 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 a. I, I, Coincidentally, the same day that the Baltic pipeline opened. So
0: yes, you know, exactly you, right.
2: You know, yes, and it, it takes in. Do you remember when well, in, in 2014 they were trying to push that pipeline through Syria and Libya and Yemen and that five states that they they needed to go through? And Syria said no because Russia was their ally, so they automatically became. Uh, uh, corrupt, and we had to attack them. We we totally destroyed Libya. I don't even know if it's, it, I don't even think you can call it a nation state anymore. I think it's just a bunch of warring tribes. Yemen is even worse. And we're responsible for that. We helped them destroy those countries. We killed Qaddafi because he wanted to create uh, his own uh, currency. And and. They had a, a very wealthy, uh, you know, not, not wealthy, wealthy, but they were they were giving back oil profits to the citizens. So it was what they were well on their way to becoming a very nice place to live, and we totally just blew them apart. And Hillary Clinton was so proud of that.
0: And, and well, Dave, what you said about family, I feel your pain because. In my second marriage, I have a stepson, and my stepson is in his thirties, and he's one of those guys who watches MSNBC all day, right? And yells at the TV. Again, it, you get the picture, Dave. Yes, yes, I do. So, so I've got I've got to believe there was a factor in my divorce because my wife used to have to listen to him yell about Trump every day, every time she talked to him, he would go off his rocker. And I'm sure me working for Sputnik drove him nuts. I'm sure he never let her. Does that make sense? That even if she doesn't want to talk about it, he's going to talk about it every day and say how evil Putin is or whatever and attack me. And I'm sure she just got sick of it. Wouldn't you get sick of hearing somebody complain about something every single day that she had nothing to do with? Does that make sense,
2: Ask Dave? Why he didn't like Trump?
0: Because he's Trump. It, it, it really seems to be that. There's not a policy thing.
2: Mean tweets. He
0: just... They
2: all say. He, he, he would send out mean tweets, and that's the worst I can get anyone to say about him. They talk about RussiaGate, which is false, the Steele dossier, false, and they still believe those things are true.
0: And I don't really know what they stand for. These Trump-hating Democrats, they truly stand for nothing. They don't believe in anything. And the hypocrisy, you know, they they can say that they're anti-racist, but then they see the statements by Black Lives Matter, that are clearly racist, right? right? They
2: they
0: can't even, they can't claim to be anti-fascist because, in fact, they support the fascists in Ukraine. <laughs> so, Dave, what say you?
2: In Ukraine, yes, the German symbols, the SS uh, uh, insignia, the tattoos, those people, you go back to 2014, we had a problem with them being Nazis uh, up until, uh, you know, it became convenient for to use them against Russia. And we're, we're talking about, you know, uh, Ukraine is going to be victorious. Ukraine is in ruins. Uh, it, it, it's been comp- and, and, and they're lucky that uh, Putin held back. Putin could have really just completely decimated Ukraine, but he called it a special operation. And, and shows specific targets. And everything right. is Russia's fault.
0: You know, not and what's irritating to me is, like you you, hint, you said this, basically, I, I'm okay with having a discussion. I'm okay with having, I'll show you this article, and let's see what you have for proof, right? You, you're open to proof, correct, Dave? Yeah, Absolutely. And if you're wrong, you'll change your opinion. But these people are adversaries in this. The anti-Putin reactionaries, they are not interested in proof. In fact, if you try to show them an article, they get mad. Have you noticed
2: that? Oh, my God, yes. Yes, they call you names, and you're a Putin supporter. And uh, yeah, You know what I learned about propaganda? I started watching RT in 2012, 2013, what used to be broadcast here in the United States. And I watched it because I wanted to see all the propaganda, see the lies that were being told to the Russian people and blah, blah, blah. And for about three months, I was diligent. I I, I ran down every fact that they stated, and I could not find anything that they lied about. Now, there are opinions, but that's not the facts. They would talk about things that were happening in the United States, which I had never heard of. I would go and track it down and find out that it was true. The big shock was in Boston, in Boston, there was a hospital that was doing extra tracheotomies. They would over medicate their patients, put them into, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 They couldn't breathe, so they had to to perform tracheotomies, which at $30,000 a pop is a pretty good chunk of change, especially when you are doing 35% more than any other hospital in the nation. And they got caught. And I never heard about that. My sister lives in Connecticut and works for Yale Hospital and never heard of that. So I had to learn that through Russia and at that point, I started to dawn on me that um, maybe, <laughs> maybe I've been a victim of the propaganda that I've been listening to. Well, you know, you know, the USSR. We grew up hating the USSR. We thought any minute—exactly right. Why?
0: R- so you—you you saw Red Dawn, of course.
2: Oh my God! That, yes, I in the theaters, and and I've seen it several times after that i mean that's what we thought was going to happen
0: and then and possibly you shouted wolverines is it possible
2: oh <laughs> i was all over it i yeah, of course of course it was you know it was it, that was what we grew up with it was the ussr it was the bad guys and when it, you know, berlin wall fell and russia fell we had the biggest party. It lasted three days, my friends and I, because we no longer had to worry about, uh, you know, we live in Washington. We're in ground zero. There's nowhere to run. If, if nuclear war breaks out, we're all dust. So it was. Well,
0: do you, do you remember how many 80s songs were about nuclear war? I, I, I'll go down a short list. 1999 by Prince is about nuclear war. Everybody's Got a Bomb. Uh, It's a Mistake by Men at Work. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Two Tribes. I Could Go On. Distant Ori Warning by Rush. So many songs were about nuclear war. Land of Confusion by Genesis. Yes. Remember all the songs about impending nuclear death? That was pop music in the 80s. I
3: know,
2: and kids today, they They don't seem to understand what will happen that, you know, because once one nuke flies, everybody launches because they're not going to want to get caught with with their their weapons on the ground. They are they're going to want to destroy their enemies while they have a chance. So it, it will be a conflagration that will pretty much end civilization for.
0: Dave, Dave, I gotta go, because we got Ian Schilling on the line, but great call, call back anytime. Thanks for being part of Backstory Community. By the way, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and like us on social media. If I'm going to steal Jamal's line. If you like what we're laying down, tell your friends, and give us a like on social media. And also, be part of our Rumble community. A lot of people are watching on Rumble. That's the place to watch it. Now we've got to go to a short break, and when we come back, our friend from the UK, Ian Schilling, will be with us on The Backstory. Blasting out the truth on the radio in Washington, D.C., the capital of the Empire of Lies, on 105.5 FM, AM 1390. This is The Backstory. And we're joined now from the U.K. by our friend Ian Schilling. Hey, Ian, how you doing? Hi, Lee. I'm good. So welcome to a Friday show, Ian. And you're a very likable person. And have people told you that you're a very likable person? <laughs> sometimes no you really are every time you're on people say I like that Ian and one of the <laughs> things that they like about you the most is you have a great great laugh have <laughs> yes, you heard that? You,
4: you, on that yes
0: so let me I'm going to try to trigger your laughter <laughs> so what do you think of this Nord Stream bombing that Russia obviously did <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah, as if Russia is going to bomb their own pipeline that they spent billions on, and they can use as leverage to, to um, against Europe, against all the sanctions and whatever. <laughs> so, no. the most, the most likely. I mean, Putin's blamed the Anglo Saxons today. Only the the most likely candidate for who sabotaged it is the US because they've got the motive and opportunity. I mean, they were doing exercises around that island, Bormholm Island in Denmark, it's part of Denmark, where their Nord Stream pipelines run through, in June, with um, Navy divers and underwater drones. So either they could have been, you know, scouting out the territory, the terrain, for where they could place explosives the most, most efficient way, or they actually laid explosives and then set them off afterwards. So they, I mean, they've obviously got the capability, they've got the motive, and they have the opportunity to do it. So it's, it's obviously the US is the prime candidate. I mean, other other countries might have been involved, and in you know, but <laughs> it's it's odds on it's the US.
0: So you you don't need to be a brilliant detective, a Sherlock Holmes, if you will, uh, to figure this one out. The, the US
4: and and by- no, well... Joe Biden and Victoria Nuland both said if Russia invaded Ukraine, then there, there wouldn't be any Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So they didn't they, they didn't clarify what they meant by no more Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Um, and when Biden was pressed on it, he said, I promise you we'll, we'll be able to stop it. I, he refused to say how. So, you know, blowing it up is an obvious way. Now, would
0: you be at all surprised if you found out the UK or Poland had some involvement in the bombing of the Nord Stream pipelines?
4: No, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if they had some involvement in it or gave the okay for it or whatever. No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Because Poland, Poland on the same day that Nord Stream 2 got blown up, opened up a pipeline with Norway, so gas is flowing from Norway via Denmark to Poland now. So Poland's got its gas. So an interesting thing is if Russia blew up that pipeline, because that would be in Russia's interest to blow up that pipeline. A tit for tat.
0: Right. Why not take out that one if Russia's going to be down there destroying pipelines? So, yeah. but Ian, uh, the, the destruction of Nord Stream 2 pipeline... Who's it going to hurt most? I think Germany, the German people, not Russia. Because also, who's harmed by this? The German people. Do you agree, yeah. Ian?
4: Oh, definitely. G- Germany Germany most, and then, then the rest of Europe, because it will just increase the price of natural gas, won't it? I mean, natural gas has already gone up since the explosion, but it'll go up some more because there's just shortage of it. You can't supply, you can't... Replace all the Russian gas that it's supplying with with um, LNG supplies, liquefied natural gas. You just can't do it. It's just it's not physically possible. There's just not the infrastructure. There's not the ships to transport it, and there's not not the infrastructure to um to import it in Europe. So you just can't replace it all. So there's going to be massive gas shortages and electricity price rises, and and you know people people are be shivering in their homes because the gas has been cut off or the electricity has been cut off. It's going to be terrible this winter. Now, so Victorian, you mentioned. I mean, but Russia wasn't supplying any gas to Germany before the explosion, was it? Because Nord Stream 1 had been turned off and Nord Stream 2 hadn't been approved. But Nord Stream 2, the thing about Nord Stream 2 was it's a leverage by Russia against Germany, wasn't it? Because they, they the gas crisis could be resolved or m- mostly resolved by switching on Nord Stream 2, and now it can't be done. So that option has been taken away.
0: Now, Victoria Nolan you mentioned, she famously said a few years ago in 2014, I can't say it, because you know I can't swear on the radio here. Yes. In, in she the
4: said, at, at so The EU,
0: yes. L- let, let me... Let me say it. I think this is proper British. Sod the EU. Is that the phrase? Yes.
4: Sod yes, the EU. Yes, that would do. Yes,
0: it means the same thing, right?
4: Well, nearly. It's it's a less a less forceful way of saying it. Yes, the same thing.
5: Right.
0: And but I can probably say it on the radio. So, do you think that would be beyond the American regime, Biden and Newland, to do something that intentionally? hurts europe given that she said the equivalent of side the eu before
4: ian well they've already done it haven't they they did the coup in ukraine in 2014 which harmed you by setting up all the conflict in the first place i mean and they've got a think hist- this- i mean america's got a history of all this i mean you could you could look at look at all the um Red Brigade in Italy in the in the 70s, wasn't it? They blew up Bologna Bologna Railway Station. That was the CIA to stop Italy voting in a communist government in the 1970s. So the CIA have got a history of carrying out terrorist attacks in Europe. But that's not just an isolated case. There's lots of cases of the CIA doing terrorist attacks in Europe. To, to control which governments are in power or get elected or whatever. So yeah, the CIA does it all the time. CIA hasn't got any balls.
0: And would you accept the idea that this might be a way of forcing a great reset, the WF agenda that Klaus Schwab uh, forcing a great reset on Europe? Yeah.
4: yeah. Yes, it's all part of that. It's all lead to that. I mean, the only way that they can get their Great Reset agenda through is to is to impoverish and destroy impoverish people and destroy economies. And that's exactly what they're doing with all of this, is not they? With with ten percent inflation and all the all the oil and gas prices going up, electricity prices going up, and there's going to be a house price crash, and there's going to be going to be huge increases in unemployment next year from all this fallout and it's all all about printing money and and creating artificial energy and food shortages which is what they're doing i mean they're doing it on purpose aren't they i mean the the amount of of food infrastructure that's been destroyed in arson attacks and whatever in america and europe and whatever is way above normal so somebody's somebody's Deliberately engineering this crisis, right? And you know, we can go, we, we don't know the details of it, but it, it's all about the bankers, isn't it? And the corporations, and Wall Street, and the Rockefellers, and all that lot. All the globalist oligarchs—they're all engineering an economic crisis so they can control people. Once once you once you've made people dependent on the state, you can you can they won't protest against you, and you can control them. That's the whole purpose. I mean, all these COVID restrictions, they weren't about health. They were about controlling people and conditioning people to be controlled by the state. We order you to be locked up in your house for the next month. Oh, all right then. I mean, people didn't rebel against this. It was ridiculous.
0: And, of course, Ian, are you saying to see COVID talk come back in the UK? What's the status of the COVID talk in the UK?
4: Well, the, 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 the supposed infection rates are going up all over Europe now, only slowly at the moment. But we're just getting into October now when it would be expected to start. I mean, that, that, the flu season starts in October, doesn't it? So we would expect at some point over the next three or so months that there would be some sort of a respiratory disease problem. It's normally called the flu, but they could call it COVID or they could call it something else, couldn't they?
0: And that seems to be what's happening, because you're not hearing about hospitals filling up or ventilators filling up, right Ian?
4: No, no, it hasn't it's got nowhere near that. They're just saying that there's more people being infected with COVID, but there's no there's no, uh, there's no significant amount of people in hospital with COVID or anything like that. No. Now,
0: Liz Truss didn't get in office more than a couple of days before Queen Elizabeth died. So that took all the focus off Liz Truss for a couple of weeks while we went through the royal funeral and so on. But now Liz Truss is is basically starting her administration. Is that correct? And she's yes. starting to make policy. How's she doing, Ian?
4: She's doing terrible. She's terrible. So we've got a huge inflation problem because the amount of money that was printed and wasted during all the COVID things for lockdowns and bailouts and whatever else. So the UK government printed an extra £400 billion or so to pay for all the all the stupid COVID policies. So that's ca- caused inflation. And Europe did the same and America did the same. So they all printed money like, at, like, like anything and that's caused inflation. So List Trust's response to that is to print another... 170 billion in energy cost bailouts so that'll make the inflation problem the worse. i mean it, all, it already has caused more inflation because the value of sterling the british pound went down against against the dollar right so if the value of the british pound goes down then the cost of all the imports goes up because all the, the price of imports is all priced in dollars whether it's oil or gas or or metals, or food, or whatever else, all priced in dollars, isn't it? So the price of all the imports goes up, so that increases inflation. So it's crazy, crazy what you're doing.
0: And I actually heard, I don't know if you heard this, that someone's calling for a vote of no confidence against Liz Truss already. Have you heard that?
4: Well, there's murmurs of that. They haven't actually said that. But there's all reports that that lots of Tory party members in the House of Lords and House of Commons are muttering against her and and, and um are against what she's doing. So that she's got she's gotta change course, otherwise otherwise she's gonna be out. So so lots of lots of the senior Tory politicians are murmuring against her, right? Which isn't a good start two weeks or four weeks after she started, is it? <laughs>
0: No, no right right i'm i 'm actually kind of stunned because that is very early in her administration to be but but she we we talked about it before she 's not popular right she has no, no real fan base
4: in England no, correct Ian? no, no she hasn 't got any fan base in, in England i mean before before the Tory party election i mean hardly anybody had even heard of her i think. <laughs> not many, no, But anyway, and she actually d- didn't have a good press about what she'd done in the past or anything. And, and yeah, anybody who's not Tory is definitely against her, and half the Tory party is against her as well. So <laughs> she's very unpopular, and she's going to get more unpopular.
0: And so, do you think it's likely you'll have a new prime minister sometime in the next, let's say, year?
4: Well, <laughs> quite likely. You're a yeah. Man, aren't you? It's quite likely. I'd say the odds are at least 50% of that happening, yes.
0: Now, is it likely to be a Tory, or will Keir Starmer get a chance, do you think?
4: Well, globalist Keir Starmer, Tony Blair clone, is licking his lips at the prospects of how the Tory party are destroying themselves. So he's, he's reckoning he's going to be able to get in. And all the media will probably support him as well. All the, the BBC is all, already already a Kirst armour supporter because he's a Tony Blair, lookalike light and globalist. So he'll have a load of the press and the media on his side. So he's probably the favourite in a snap election if it, if it comes to it. But the trouble they've got is that the Tory party's still got his huge majority that Boris Johnson got in 2019, and the next elections aren't supposed to be until 2024. So that's quite a long way off,
0: And of course, he got that through supporting Brexit. And is there any talk about Brexit anymore? Because it seems to me that Brexit has been supporting Ukraine in the war. Seems to have made England forget all about Brexit. And they're more aligned with Europe than ever. Am I wrong on that, Ian?
4: Well you're definitely right mostly i mean brexit is totally off the table nobody's talking about it. it's that it's a done deal nobody's talking about you know rejoining the eu or anything like that but i mean as being close to europe i wouldn't say that they're not close to europe i mean they're still uh, nobody likes macon they don't like the germans so no there's not not Britain's not getting back in with Europe necessarily. They're, they're pushing Europe into the war, into supporting the war in Ukraine because the UK is the major near called nut jobs in Europe. So well, now supporting- we've
0: got Zelensky out there calling for NATO to do a rapid acceptance. But he, in order to get into NATO, Zelensky needs to get every one of those NATO countries. And do you think the what do you think is going to happen there, Ian?
4: Well, it's not going to happen, is it? Because at least Hungary is going to object, and I don't know who else out of the Eastern Europeans. You know, there's you know countries like Slovenia or Croatia. They might they might object to it. So I I I can't see it happening. How are they how are they going to twist Hungary's arm to approve it? I don't don't see how. I mean, Hungary's already applied its influence to basically get excluded from all the energy sanctions. It's still getting piped in oil and gas from Russia, isn't it? It was excluded from the sanctions, right? Because otherwise, otherwise, Auburn would wouldn't agree to the sanctions package, right? Right. Once he got Hungary out of the sanctions package, said, you know, well, you give me a, you give me a few more billion, and I'll I'll, I'll agree to it then." <laughs> So, I can't see yeah, that they're um, going to get Auburn in Hungary. That's why they're so desperate to get Auburn out of Hungary. But it wasn't long ago that he got elected in a landslide, was it? And now they've got the problem with Italy uh, uh, approving it, and um, electing this uh, right wing government, right? Which, which is. Um, against all the COVID lockdowns and against Macron and the globalists, apparently, supposedly, we don't know how true it is, but the leader, leader of the Itali- Italian, the new Italian prime minister, made a great speech, really, really having a go at Macron, saying about what, what about the invasion of Libya and destroying, destroying Libya and causing all the migrant problem we've had ever since, and what, what we're suffering now all the illegal immigrants coming in from Libya and Africa. So she absolutely destroyed Macron. So it'd be quite interesting. I'd like to be a fly on the wall when they have their next European leaders meeting and Macron and uh, Georgian Maloney is uh, in the same room, because that could be fun.
0: (laughs) Right. Now, what do you think of the referendums that they held recently in Donetsk, Lugansk, uh, Zavroja and Kherson? What do you think of those referendums, Seeing, Do you think they're shams?
4: Well, they were the expected, they, no, they the expected results, weren't they? That 90% plus of people who voted voted to uh, join Russia. That's what, and in Lugansk and um, Donetsk, it was about 99%, wasn't it? That's, it was just expected. That, so that was the expected result from the, from the you know, pe- people's basic perceptions, beliefs.
0: Speaking of Bojo, did you see his tweet about the elections over there calling them shams?
4: Yeah. Oh, of course they're going so- to call it shams. Because they haven't got any, any other thing. They they can't back it up that there's the, massive fraudulent elections or anything, because they weren't, were they? They didn't need to, because 90% of the people actually support joining Russia. So unlike the American election, where they invented 20-odd million votes for Biden and totally rigged the election, they didn't need to do that.
0: I find it ironic that the Biden administration is talking about rejecting an election completely. Yeah,
4: when the last American election was totally rigged and manipulated and there was about 20 million, fraudulent votes,
0: yeah. <laughs> exactly I mean, right. And I forget what percentage of the population did Liz Truss have on her side when she won prime ministership. How did that about vote go, About
4: 0.5%, Ian? about 0.5%, something like that, test 0.5% of the people voted for Liz Truss. And 99.5% of the people in the UK didn't.
0: <laughs> right. They like democracy, they democracy when they have a predictable outcome.
4: Yeah.
0: Right, Ian, is that, is that it? They yeah. like democracy when they know the winner.
4: And they get the right result that they approve of, yes. Yeah. So that they now they're now, now now saying that Italy is a threat to European democracy because they voted in 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 a part, a political party and leader that they don't the globalists don't like.
0: <laughs> no right. And how do you think that's going to play out with Italy? Do you think they're going to keep who they elected, or they'll have to be forced to come to pressure? What's your take, Ian?
4: Well, Italian governments have a history of not lasting very long, haven't they? <laughs> they last lost on an average yeah. of, of 18 months or less or something. So I don't know. I mean, how can she sort out the mess that is Italy, which has got, I mean, Drag- Draghi completely destroyed the Italian economy with all the lockdowns. Italy's got a huge debt burden. It's 160% of GDP, the national debt. And, you yeah, know, they've they got no growth prospects and they've got an energy shortage now because they, they rely they almost completely reliant on uh, natural gas for all their electricity generation. So Italy's in a terrible position. She's inherited a terrible position. So, you know, I, I, and obviously the 10% inflation and whatever that's throughout Europe. So I don't know what she's going to do. As She's got very few options to, to make things better in the current climate.
0: Now, practically speaking... What kind of winter are you looking forward to in England? What do you think is actually going to happen to people in England this winter, Ian?
4: Well, I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried that I mean, I'm personally worried that the gas and electricity are going to get cut off, and then you know, the house is going to freeze. What what you what are you going to do to heat your house if the gas and electricity is cut? So that's going to happen. I mean, if it comes to that. I mean, that's going to affect loads and loads of people. You know, the ma- great majority of the population. So it's going to be terrible. I mean, if we have a bad winter and snow on the ground and stuff, it's going to be really bad.
0: And the forecast is not looking good. But
4: uh, uh, I don't. I mean, I can't tell anything from long-term forecast. I, I, you know, it could be a bad winter. It could. It might not be. I don't know.
0: But is that what's in a bad winter, do you think people could freeze to death? Is it possible? Well,
4: they do. Yeah, oh, definitely. They do. They do every year. Pensioners, old age pensioners, uh, refuse to put on enough heating and, you know, sit in their chairs with blankets over them, and then some of them freeze to death. Hands every year. Yeah, is that freezing to death,
0: a- does that happen in one part of England more than others, like the, the Midlands or London? Well, where does
4: happens it happens in where poor happen? areas. It doesn't, it doesn't happen so much in most of London, but it's mo- it's outside London mostly, mostly in the Midlands and the North. Yeah.
0: Okay, so Ma- Manchester possible? Yeah.
4: Manchester, yeah, know, pretty,
0: Bowl, yeah, pretty Newcastle. Pretty. Yeah. Okay, so Newcastle, Wales?
4: Yeah, Wales.
0: So it gets pretty cold there?
4: Well, it gets colder in Newcastle than anywhere else, because that's farther north. I mean, Wales is closer okay. to the Arctic Ocean, so it doesn't doesn't get so cold unless you're at the top of one of the Welsh mountains, of course.
0: And how should this affect Ireland and uh, Scotland?
4: Well, Scotland Scotland's going to be in exactly the same boat as the rest of the, the UK. And Ireland's going to suffer as well. I mean, Ireland's got no no natural gas or Oil supplies, no domestic supplies, so it's reliant on imports. So it's got it's in the same boat as everywhere else. I mean, got, Scotland's got got the North Sea oil, but uh, I mean, <laughs> that's going to be used for all the UK. It's not going to be just, just be used for Scotland.
0: I, I was talking to you, someone in South America, in uh, actually the country of Paraguay, in Central South America, and they were saying a lot of Europeans are moving over to Paraguay, which has very nice weather, um, among other things. Have you heard of anyone leaving England for warmer climes to avoid Uh, the potential weather catastrophe?
4: Ian, have you heard that at all? No, not really, no. No. I mean, the Bushes bought a huge, huge um, ranch in Paraguay with a with an aquifer below the below the land, you know, ten thousand acre arch in about nineteen nineties, an escape boot, didn't they?
0: No, no, right, good, good point. But I was curious if, if because if the now, what's a food situation like in the UK? Are 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 they facing any serious possibility of food shortages?
4: Well, there's no sign of it at the moment. There's no, you know, the, the food supply chain is, you know, only a matter of days and it can all turn around. But there's no shortage of food in the supermarkets or anything. You know, they're not running out of anything at the moment. But the, you know, the food prices are going up. There's, you know, 15% food inflation or something. So,
0: and I mean, not- already very expensive, right?
4: Yeah, well, it, it's come down a little bit from what it was, but it's still. I mean, it used it used to be about one pound thirty a litre, and now it's one sixty eight a litre or something.
0: And I, that's that, that's very high, right?
4: Well, it's a lot more than Americans pay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, are what are people doing about it? Are they taking advice the and using less fuel, or can they really do that? Can they? If they rely on their car, I assume for a commute to work, there's only so much you can do, right?
4: Well, you can work from home, can't you? And then you don't have to drive into work, and that'll save fuel. So, I mean, working from home, they're still trying to get people to go back working in the office. It's not having a lot of success. All the civil servants are uh, refusing to. To go back into the office, and lots of other companies are also having trouble. You know, banks are saying you've got to come and work in the office, and the workers are saying, "No, we don't want to. We don't want to spend two hours on a on a train there and back, four hours a day on a train. We'd rather work from home." So they're doing that. I mean, how can you? How, uh, I mean, you can obviously drive less at the weekends and stuff like that as well, can't you? Not doing so many trips or not go so far. But I mean, how much difference does that make, really?
0: And is is that common, you know, to go on weekend trips or something like that, is that common in the UK?
4: Well, pe- people drive 30 miles to some site, tourist site, or whatever, regularly, or go to go to, a, you know, drive 30 miles to a major shopping mall right at the weekend, uh, do that all the time. Now, so they could, last they could question, do that
0: and I I just don't know if you've heard anything about this. You're in England. Have you heard any new news on Sergei Skripal and Yulia Skripal, who were apparently disappeared by the British government a few months ago? Have
4: you heard anything new on them whatsoever? I haven't heard a peep out of them. I haven't got a clue where they are now. No, no. I mean, they were being held prisoner on a Gloucester, Gloucestershire, um, air force base or military base in Gloucestershire. That's but that was. That was in you know September 2018 or something when it when you know soon after soon soon after they got out of hospital. So I haven't known I haven't no heard like a peep about that.
0: The scribbles seem to have been vanished. Does that yeah. make sense?
4: Yes, they have They've been, been vanished. disappeared. Yeah, but they could be dead or somewhere else. We don't know.
0: So we got to go because we're out of time for this hour. But great talking to you, Ian, and have a good night. That's a great Ian Schilling on the backstory. And we are back on the backstory. Bring you the truth behind the headlines. I'm investigative journalist Lee Shan, and this is the backstory. Once again, I want to thank Ian Schelling, great guest and great appearance by Ian as usual. What do you think, Rod? Does Ian have a great laugh
1: or what? No, definitely. I think it's always great having Ian on. I, mean, I think he does have a trademark laugh.
0: Yes, and I knew I could get him to laugh by saying Russia's behind. The Nord Stream 2 bombing. Because it, Rod, help me understand anyone who freaking believes that. After, look, after the media told you time and again that Russia was bombing the nuclear power plant that they were in, right? And they told, they said that over and over again. And then finally they admitted Ukrainians had been bombing it. How does anyone buy this? This is the equivalent of that
1: kind of lie. Do you agree, Rod? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you know, it's just so weird uh, living in these times. They're interesting times, but still at the same time, it's just it makes me feel like is everybody really this stupid? You know what I'm saying? Um, that's just out of the harsh way to put it, because it's just like listen to who's been telling you this. You know. It's coming straight out of Washington, D.C. People have been lying to you your entire life, and they keep getting with the lies, keep getting worse and worse and making your life worse. But, you know, th- this time though, you know, this time you gotta believe them.
0: No, I know, it's nuts, and it is bizarre. But coming to this hour, we have a great interview with Sputnik correspondent, Wyatt Reed, who's covered elections all over the world. And he was in Kherson for the recent election he'll tell you what his experience was and it's his first time in russia and that's always interesting don't you think rod
1: yeah no for sure i haven't haven't uh haven't been able to go to russia yet but i uh, hope so and it has been a few years or maybe next year who knows
0: yeah now i volunteered us by the way i've told our boss anytime you want to send us to ukraine or russia we'll go but we would end up on the kill list my girlfriend was saying today she's surprised i'm not on it now i think that's nice you don't like your from your girlfriend usually but do you are you somewhat surprised i'm not on the kill list rod be honest
1: uh yeah but you know then that would have to include other people who, who work at sputnik as well um so yeah if i think if you're more prominent uh in russia or different parts of russia then yeah you probably would be on it well but, uh, i think what what
0: could get me on it is my appearance in revealing ukraine the Oliver stone film directed by igor Lopotnik. because i'm in revealing ukraine and that
1: played in ukraine it, it, does it, that it, make sense Yeah, you, you know but now also that i think about it you know we also had i can't think about who was uh, oh, uh, it was Russell Bentley who was talking about that uh, the Kill List had uh, the uh, address to Langley in Langley, Virginia. So if you think about it, the re- I-, I would say another reason you're not on the list is because it would draw attention to you. So, uh, you know, obviously they would probably put you on the list because, you you know, you've been working, Sputnik for a few years and you're also a really good journalist, but it would also draw attention to you. So they don't want to draw attention to you, just like Adam Schiff, did, you know didn't really push on that subpoena to bring you in. They don't want to draw attention to you.
0: Uh, You know, you know, Rod, I actually, it's somewhat arrogant, but I think that too. I think because I am very fact-based, and because I'll mention over and over the 1986 article in The Village Voice, to catch a Nazi, if you type that in a search engine, to catch a Nazi, Village Voice, that article Published before Putin was in power, before the Soviet Union even broke up, how was Putin behind that propaganda? Does that make sense, Rod? Here's an article from 1986 that talks about the CIA backing Ukrainian Nazis. He was
1: in law school. He was devising this whole plot. He was in law school devising the whole plot.
0: He's brilliant. He's an evil genius, obviously. And uh, but. They, they know I bring up stuff like that. And also... Uh, Stroke Talbot... Brooklyn's college roommate... Who no one... You know, that still pissed me out too. Because... Did you see? We talked about that I think a little bit. But Trump is buying into that. The thing I object to about John Solomon... And Hannity... Is Trump watches them... And thinks he's getting the real story. So... He'll listen to Solomon say, Russian Yarshenko. Now, he has a Russian name, and he may have been in Russia at one point, but he's an anti-Putin. And if you don't believe me, go to Brookings Institute and type in Yarshenko's name, and you'll find articles by him. Have you done
1: that before, Rod? As far as the Brookings go, no, but I keep, um, you know, you bring up the Brookings, and I, uh, there's, there's a woman that was a part of the whole Ukraine impeachment uh, that's associated with the Brookings, and I think you you know her name very well, Fiona Hill. She's already yes. come that she's come out and said we're already we've already been in World War III, we've been in a hybrid war. You know, they're they're, they're openly, you know, like you know, like yeah, we're going we're going to the Super Bowl, no, you know what I mean? We've been playing this game the whole time, it, so. And she's a part of the Brookings Institute. So uh, everybody that was a part of that whole Ukraine impeachment sham—if you want to talk about a sham—that was the, that whole impeachment. All those characters been been—they you know—they're all associated with these Nazis. And like like they're saying, they're like we're already in World War III. You know, you guys are just catching up to us.
0: And for me as a journalist, I'm fighting an uphill battle on the Democrat side already, and the Democrat deep state side. I'm fighting against that narrative. But to have people like Sean Hannity and John Solomon essentially promote that anti-Russian narrative, does that make sense, Rod? That It feels like I'm fighting a two-front battle because a, a lot of times I'll talk to Trump fans and you would think, you know, because I've, I've written at Breitbart and so on, and I lay it out all factually. But they like to tell me, no, no, no. Listen to me. Solomon said the Russians are behind it. And the Trump Tower meeting was a Russian plot to get Trump. There was no Putin plot to get Donald Trump.
1: it right, Rod? No, no, there wasn't the, it was uh, it was the Pied the Piper, no, the uh, the puppet strategy in uh, in Johnson's email it could have been Ben Carson Ted Cruz whoever they're gonna put uh, whoever you know whoever that would have won or become the Republican nominee they just it's plug and play so remove Trump and plug in another person they would have been against them as well because
0: it's full spectrum dominance if you running a propaganda war it does not help if you fool only the Democrats. Does that make sense, Rod? You, you, in a war, you want to get everybody. So they have to get the Republicans hating Putin and hating Russia, too. And that's why I think what Tucker Carlson's been doing lately. And I think Zelensky's going to regret taking on Tucker. Because Tucker won't back down. Tucker won't be cowed. Tucker, I think, will... Going against Zelensky more, And the more Tucker's out of hey, those things Yeah, go ahead, Rod
1: oh, We gotta, we gotta, uh, I gotta say I gotta say this, uh, you're listening to The Backstory
0: Oh yeah, well done See, when the music's down low, I don't hear But good, thank you, Rod Appreciate it That uh, So, 202 521 It's a number If you want to be part of the show and tell people, Rod, about Rumble a little bit, because I want to promote that. My girlfriend was over there yesterday, and we're getting a lot of listeners on Rumble. And it's supposed to be a very good way to listen to the show.
1: Yeah, you so, can, go, can go to rumble.com and in uh, the search bar put in channels, not videos. Uh, Rumble's kind of like YouTube when it first started out, so you got to be real specific. So you got to make sure you put it in channels. Click uh, channel instead of videos, and put the backstory. And you find our uh, you find us there. Uh, you can also put in Sputnik Radio or is it Radio Sputnik, and you also see the other shows. And then you'll see our library there.
0: And she said, my girlfriend said it's a very good way to listen because some of the other platforms, the show cuts out at some points. Does that make sense? But it's a continuous stream at Rumble. So if you're trying to listen a to whole show. She said it's a very good way to do it. Is that your experience, Rod?
1: Yeah, that's right. That's a it's a good way to listen to our show. And like I said, Rumble's still, uh, I would say, in the toddler stage. So it's not as uh, a lot of people are used to YouTube and being able to uh, rewind in live stream. But you can't do that on Rumble yet. So it's, you're just listening. You're just listening live. You can't go backwards until after the show. But you're,
0: so. 202-521-1320. Did you say Tarif? Okay. Tarif, you're on. The backstory.
5: Thank you all for taking my call. First, I'd like to say free June signs. I have uh, two comments. The first comment is from yesterday. I have to say it again because uh, it seemed like something was wrong with the phone line. Um, Douglas... McGregor, Colonel, well, Colonel Douglas McGregor was on the on the uh, Napoleon show a couple of days ago, and he and he said they have rumors circulating that President Zelensky in Ukraine is trying to get up physicists, scientists, so he can create his own little dirty nuke, you know, from the spent rocks that they got from the their own nuclear power plants. So I don't know how. Um, uh, if that's true or not, but I have to just share that with your um, audience. That could be an escalation
0: right there if it's true. My second comment... Well, I'll just say this, Sharif. The person who is bombing a nuclear power plant, I wouldn't put it past them. Does that make sense? If you're nuts enough to bomb a nuclear power plant as Zelensky's done, and even the New York Times acknowledges that, how nuts are you? Okay, go ahead, Drew.
5: Yes, that is nuts. My second comment: Zero Heads came out with an article um, saying what credit stress is critical. both both a ones the Fed is about to break the corporate bond market. So from, well, I think that what that's talking about that now you're about to see uh, the stock market and so dealing with the bonds about to start going down, Prince like they've been pre- 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 uh, predicting for the past year or so especially since this walk kicked off so you're going to start seeing, you know the, the market go down now and right before an election that's something Biden don't want to see yeah thank y'all for taking my call
0: great culture Eve. and we'll go to ingrid next but let me take a short break first so hang out ingrid We're taking a short break on the backstory. And we are back on the backstory and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington, D.C. I'm Lee Stranahan, and we want to get the calls. 202-521-1320. Ingrid, D.C., what's on your mind?
3: Hi, Lee. I want to talk about Susie Dawson and Panquake. But but first, if you think people aren't going to believe that Russia's uh, sabotage the pipelines you're not hanging out with enough normies and the guy who got in the argument with danny is a lot more typical than than you might like to believe and i don't think it has a huge amount to do with intelligence uh i think intelligent people somehow falsely believe that they're not susceptible to propaganda but um but they are so
0: so I, I agree I agree with that completely. And that's actually the point I was trying to make in my own stammery way. I think it's a psychological thing. It's beyond intellectual and is hitting something visceral with people. Does that make sense, Ingrid?
3: Yes. Yes. And also when when you said or when Rod said something about uh, things are hard for people, well, they really aren't in this country. The majority of people live very comfortably, and um, it hasn't hit them. Yeah, they might have to work harder or, or be more creative in what they're doing, but uh, they're living too well. They're not ready to to throw off this system that has gotten them to where they are. Um,
0: going- I, I agree, and we're not we're not facing people freezing to death this winter. Does that make sense, Ingrid? Not any more than usual, no. Right, that's right, yeah, well said. But so go on, what were you going to say?
3: Well, Gonzalo Lira has been having a, some really good conversations with people. He he had an a interesting one yesterday. Maram Susley was on there uh, with George Galloway and some ex-British GCHQ guy who was pretty smart, and um, but a couple of days ago they ha- he had on Susie Dawson, John Kiriakou, and Ray McGovern, and Susie was promoting her her new platform, Panquake, which I guess is going to be a um, a, a by fee five dollars a month substitute for things like Twitter. But one of the things she said was that they're not going to. Uh, make suggestions to you. And they're not going to have ads. I don't know about ads. I'm a little ambivalent about that. But the suggestions, I really like. And unless you're somebody who already knows everything and is aware of exactly where they want to go, I have found the suggestions very helpful. And in 2020, when I was following the riots late at night, It was only because of those Twitter suggestions. I never in my life would have gone to things like Ian Miles Chung and Andy No and um, uh, Kitty Shackelford. I never would have found those had it not been for the Twitter suggestions. So I'm not sure that making this panquake thing so pure is necessarily a completely good thing.
0: No, I'm with you. I actually like the Twitter suggestions, and i follow found a number of people. And uh, you mentioned Ian Miles Strong. He's one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter because I find Ian funny, among other things. He's snarky, and I like it. But I, I, I don't think that's something to be avoided on social media. I agree with you, Ingrid. So what say you?
3: I say thanks. We agree.
0: <laughs> okay, Re- great. Now, are you over on Rumble, Ingrid?
3: No, I I went there once because um not Russell, but the other fellow who's in Crimea. He he got deplatformed.
0: John Mark Dugan?
3: No, the the older man with the bald head, who um, Regis Trumbly. Right. I went to. Okay. Look- yes. In a general way, I'm not really that familiar with Rumble or with Telegram, or I'm I'm not really familiar with anything. <laughs> to be honest,
0: I'm a no. Le- I'll just say that my girlfriend got on it for the first time yesterday, and she said there's a, quite a little community forming there. We have hundreds of followers already, so I'm going to suggest. And apparently, it wasn't that hard to get on Rumble. And, Rod, do you find Rumble about as easy as
1: YouTube, all things being equal? (laughs) Um, Like I said, it just reminds me of uh, YouTube when it first came out. Um, You know, it was, yeah, it was just pretty easy to navigate. But, you know, if you go to YouTube now or maybe what a few years ago was, um, you know, it was really easy and uh, had a lot of features. And when you try to go to something like Rumble where it doesn't have the same features, a lot of people just easily give up. But you know, give it time, and Rumble will uh, have its own uh, characteristics and features that people will like.
0: And thanks for the great call, Ingrid. And did you hear, speaking of Rumble, Rod, that comedian, British comedian, and philosopher Russell Brand recently moved his pl- platform to Rumble and YouTube. The day he did that, apparently, cut
1: him off. Did you see that? Uh, I did see the Russell Brand news, but I didn't know that YouTube cut him off, but that shows you how vindictive they are.
0: Yeah, and they're worried about free speech. And so I'm glad that Russell Brand's over on Rumble as well, because I'm I'm a big fan of his. Uh, and so let me suggest that we're not the only thing you'll be able to hear on, on Rumble Russell brands over there now. And Rod, uh, is is it safe to say that is this show's main platform now?
1: Yeah, no, I, I would definitely say that. I don't see uh, YouTube uh, letting us back. you know, uh, they're they're sticking, they're sticking with their own sanctions. but it's just funny, uh, we had that caller David from Maryland. Uh, you can go to RT on Rumble now and look at those same videos. And you can do your own follow the facts and like or if they make this claim and say this is a fact and I'll do my own research and you'll see that, you know, nine times nine times out of ten they're right.
0: And I'm fine with what Dave said. He started listening to RG because he wanted to hear the Russian propaganda and the BS. And he came into it suspecting that, right? So I'm fine with people listening to us and being suspicious. But if you look up what we're telling you, you'll find out that we are telling you the truth. And we pride ourselves on that. And don't take our word for it, but look up this stuff. Now, Rod, we're getting ready for a great pre-taped interview with Riot Reed, who's a spending correspondent. So let's get ready to hear from Wyatt Reed, who's in Russia and was covering the referendum and has now made the kill list by those. Just, just let's hit it. We are very happy to be joined now by Sputnik special correspondent, Wyatt Reed, who we often talk to in locales around the world. Wyatt, how are you doing?
6: I'm doing all right, Lee. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. Now, where are you right now? Not specifically. I am in, I am in Moscow, as we speak. Okay.
0: So, the big news we talked about yesterday was that, and pissed me off, but I'm sure you feel equally pissed off about it what you is it you were put on the kill list the ukrainian kill list is that right
6: that's absolutely correct although i might uh i might quibble with that being the biggest news today i think probably the the formal uh agreement the signing of the agreements to formally incorporate the big four territories into the russian federation that uh might take the the headline away from from me personally but uh certainly not terribly pleased about being put on a kill list
0: no i yeah and i agree of course and we're happy for the people of the Donbass for being liberated in this way but it pissed me off because have you i mean i i wouldn't know what i would do if i end up on this list did you call the police or authorities or is that pointless
6: well, you know, the, uh, if I called the, the police in the United States, maybe, maybe I could call the CIA. They're, they might be somebody over there that could do something about it. Uh, you know, the, the, if I called the police here, I think they would probably tell me, well, uh, first of all, many of us are on it, too. And second of all, uh, you know, we've been co- trying to get it taken down for years now, uh, demanding that the international community, you know, the Western so-called democracy stand up. That's what they preach. And uh, you know, get this website taken down, um, and yet you know it still has. And there don't seem to be any plans to rein in this, you know, objectively fascist tool of of intimidation. Um, instead, you know, uh, they seem to be largely okay with this. Uh, as far as I can tell, there is absolutely no hurry in the West's minds to stop what is, you know, a, a kill list that is. You've been used to, uh, you know, at least a dozen journalists that have been placed on this have been killed. Uh, so it's it's not an idle threat.
0: Now, what did you do that pissed him off, Wyatt? How did you get? That's a
6: great question. How did you
0: get on the kill list?
6: So, I have been placed on this list uh, due to my decision to participate in electoral observation. Uh, due to my partic- my decision to come down here to Russia, uh, to these territories that wanted to be a part of Russia, and to witness the reality on the ground for myself, that uh, was apparently enough for uh, you know the Zelensky regime to once again resort to these brazen efforts to intimidate you know journalists, diplomats, political dignitaries. Um, it's to me, it's not terribly surprising. Uh, you know, this is, we're talking about a regime that's already banned virtually every opposition party. They silenced all critical media, uh, even this last week, including Fox news, because they perceive, uh, popular talk show host, uh, Tucker Carlson, popular, uh, journalist there, Tucker Carlson of, uh, being anti Ukraine. So they've, uh, they've, banned his program. Um, you know, so really this this effort to criminalize election observation is kind of the latest in a series of actions that, if you think about it, more or less reveal total contempt for the principles of democracy. Um, it also reveals to me kind of a, a high level of desperation. Um, and, you know, as I said, in a in sane world, this would lead to global condemnation. But instead, we have broad segments of the ruling class in, you know, the U.S. especially and the U.K. Uh, that are increasingly committed to escalating this NATO proxy war on Russia. And, you know, now I think these these supposed values that we're supposed to have, freedom of speech, freedom of movement, uh, to me, it looks like they've become about as expendable in the eyes of these elites as uh, as Ukrainian lives.
0: Well, sadly, well said, but it's true as well now, why we've talked to you before covering elections, and i I don't want to get this wrong, but I seem to remember chile and I, I mean colombia uh venezuela i think y where have you covered elections in the past
6: I've covered elections that's right in uh ecuador bolivia uh honduras nicaragua uh mexico. I've uh, definitely covered quite a few elections.
0: OK, so how did the elections, as far as you could see them, you were in Kursang, right, for the referendum. How did that election objectively compare to other elections you, you observed, Wyatt?
6: By and large, it was pretty similar. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to be accused of being some, you know, zealot here. I'm not going to say that this is necessarily the ideal circumstances in which to hold a referendum. Uh, You know, there are active hostilities. There's large amounts of displacement that makes it difficult. But given the circumstances, I think electoral authorities did just about everything possible to make things go smoothly, to make sure that these elections were run in a fair and transparent way. And I will say that in stark contrast to the narrative that Uh, We're spoon-fed by uh, corporate media. Uh, There were zero uh, armed men forcing people to vote at gunpoint. Uh, I did not see a single person uh, incentivized in any way to go out. Instead, what I saw was person after person, uh, many of them with tears in their eyes, uh, who frequently described this as their first real chance at self-determination in eight years since that 2014 coup d'état overthrew uh, the uh, the Ukrainian president, and this is a coup d'état that was backed by the United States government very openly uh, by people, uh, many of whom are now back in power and the uh, Biden administration. People like Victoria Newland, uh, Victoria F. the EU Newland, uh, as she's as her nickname uh, goes. So uh, <laughs> these these people haven't gone anywhere. Uh, but uh, the people of these regions um, certainly are interested in going somewhere. And that's going to the Russian Federation. I talked to, uh, again, you know, just just the individual stories. Uh, they break your heart. I, I talked to a, a a woman and her elderly mother. Uh, she said she'd had to spend two weeks desperately trying to track her down in these regions. She said only friends from Moscow helped her, not from Kiev uh, and her grandmother, or her mother had been, 81-year-old mother, I should add, was trapped in a basement for two months, and they broke down in tears, uh, you know, explaining all this to me, explaining why they'd come out and vote, and they had to end the interview. Uh, I talked to another uh, elderly man whose son uh, is currently involved in the the conflict, who who serves in the uh, Russian Armed Forces, and he, uh, you know, tears in his eyes, again, He's, he said, I wish these, uh, I'm not sure how much of this I can actually say on the radio, but I wish these people, these so-called journalists in the West, uh, would have to spend just one day in our shoes. Uh, you know, they'd never say the stuff that they're saying now if, if they really had had to go through what we have to go through. that was a recurring theme over and over again. And I saw hundreds of people vote. Um, this was the overwhelming theme. And to me, you know, anybody who really thinks that you can, you can somehow coach all these people into into thinking this and set up some kind of Katemkin village or you know whatever you want to call it, they really just they need to get out of their basements, uh, go experience some real life. Uh, you can tell when somebody is is crying for real, is desperately breaking down, the voices are raw with emotion, um, and you can tell when somebody's pulling your leg. Uh, that was not the case. Nobody uh, nobody's had any interest in trying to fool me. And, um, you know, I think uh, that's probably why the the there are so few Western journalists who are out here who are covering this uh, because they understand on some level that uh, when people say this is how people of these regions really feel, that they really are extremely pro-Russian, that they really do want to be part of the Russian Federation. Uh, they would just rather not cover it. They would rather people not even know the reality on the ground, so they don't send anybody. That's why uh, That's why I'm here, uh, and that's why you're having me on now. Well,
0: and thanks for being there, Wyatt. And I mean it truly. It's it, you're, you're risking your life, and you, you're aware of that now, I, I think. And so I want to thank you on behalf of all the Sputnik listeners. Thank you for reporting on this stuff. So is this your first time in Russia?
6: This is my first time in Russia. I've been here for about a week.
0: So I'm, I'm very curious, when people found out you were with Sputnik, was there any reaction from the people in Kherson finding out you were with Sputnik news?
6: Generally, it's a, it's a pleasant surprise for people. Um, and it's, it's kind of reassuring to them to know that there are some sane people left in the United States, some sane people left in, in the European Union, uh, generally it's been, been pretty positive, which is, I should say is quite a contrast from when I'm in DC and I, I meet up with, uh, the, the liberals that live in the bubble there and they find out that I work for Sputnik and I, they look at me like I'm, you know, uh, some kind of half, you know, half human creature that just crawled out of the muck, uh, no, uh, rest of the world, people are generally pretty happy when they find out that I work for Sputnik. That's certainly the case I found out in most of Latin America um, and certainly the case here.
0: So, so first thing I'll, I'll ask you is compare the elections you saw to the elections we have in America, because we talk, Biden's talking a lot about democracy and they talk about our election system. How did the, the Kursan elections you saw compare with what we in the United States are used to, Wyatt?
6: Well, the biggest difference is that uh, the elections here are not controlled by um, a Clinton machine. They are controlled by someone else. They are not uh, being manipulated as, you know, the Democratic primaries, for example, 2016-2020, uh, we're very openly rigged against uh, candidate Bernie Sanders um, in in terms of the elections. I think we have uh, to me, I can't really even imagine um, people having the option. Right. I can't really even imagine uh, the U.S. government giving uh, the U.S. colony, Puerto Rico, for example. I can't really imagine them giving them the option. You know, do you want to or not want to be part of the U.S.? Do you not want to be a colony? Uh, It's hard for me to to foresee anybody offering them that choice. Uh, I think the main main difference that I saw was that people wanted to vote in these elections. People felt that uh, something good was going to come out of it, that this means protection, finally, after eight years of bombardment, that this means access to the roads and Heat and water and schools and jobs that they've been deprived. Uh, not just you know, uh, they've, they've been actively refused by the the Ukrainian regime, which is uh, filled with people and surrounded by uh, journalists, so called journalists who uh, use very fascist language to describe the people of these regions. They uh, talk about them as orcs, as Subhumans, uh, some cases they talk about them as an excess population that needs to be disposed of. Uh, you know, that's my general population was, well, people here actually really want to vote in the elections. That's the big difference.
0: Now, now, Wyatt, it being your first time in Russia, what surprised you or what struck with you when you first went? You're in Moscow now. About mm-hmm. Moscow or Russia on your first trip there, Wyatt
6: well first of all it's it's just a breathtaking city you know Moscow is gorgeous. we don't really have any cities that look like it. Uh, it's extremely clean um, it's just full of 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 you know breathtaking scenery and history uh, I've also pretty i've been struck really by by how warmly I've been received by most, uh, just normal people. Um, people are interested in knowing what I'm doing and, you know, interested to, to meet me. Um, I've been struck by the lack of, uh, so-called authoritarianism that we constantly hear is, you know, Russia is basically like a police state. Uh, you know, I even witnessed a, a, a pretty extensive debate at a bar, uh, between, uh, uh, you know, younger sort of um, more Western, uh, Western leading woman and a number of other bar patrons. And she was not in favor of the special military operation and made no secret about it. Uh, but she wasn't turned into the police. She wasn't uh, beaten up. She had a, you know, there was a, a civil discourse and it ended pretty amicably. People went their separate ways. Um, so I guess I'd be struck by just kind of uh, I was struck by kind of how normal things are here uh, in contrast to what you read about in the uh, mainstream media.
0: Now, you also had a chance to go to Crimea, correct? And you, mm-hmm. you went, you lucky bastard, to Sebastopol. And I say you lucky bastard because it's supposed to be lovely. It's supposed to be a, a vacation center almost is that true why rub it in? go ahead.
6: <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's gorgeous, and I got a chance to see talk to a number of people, take a little tour. Uh, I got to see part of the harbor. I got to see the uh, cathedral uh the St Peter's cathedral, the um the famous cathedral uh, orthodox uh church here. Uh, that was uh, an incredibly moving experience to to be around, you know, all these people um, in in this uh, yeah very very uh, emotionally sort of spiritually charged environment. Uh, hearing this very heavenly choir, um, it, it was a it was almost an, an out of body experience. Uh, and I should add, you know, that uh, that church uh, Orthodox Church uh, I was told has donated over 500 tons of humanitarian aid to the residents of the Donetsk and Lugansk regions. Um, so certainly, uh, there are, you're not going to hear about that report either, but uh, people in, in Russia in Crimea in Sevastopol all over are concerned with the well-being uh, of the people in these territories which are now formally incorporated into the Russian Federation. And you were
0: in the Kherson region, which is recently famously under a counterattack from the Ukrainians. Did you see many signs of that counterattack? This is one the Ukrainians were utterly a failure for Ukraine, right? So I'm, I'm wondering what remnants of the conflict you saw in Kherson, why read?
6: Well, I saw quite a few remnants. Uh, many of them were not remnants. Many of them I, I saw active hostilities. Uh, I could see smoke coming off in the horizon from different artillery strikes. I watched a pair of Sukhoi fighter jets off in the distance, either on a bombing run or doing reconnaissance. Uh, you can definitely get a sense that uh, it's, it's, it's pretty hot over there. And uh, I also saw... Uh, In terms of the remnants, I saw a massive crater, uh, maybe 15, 20 feet wide, at least, uh, and and probably close to 10 feet deep, uh, that was left when a U.S.-manufactured HIMARS missile was launched by the armed forces of Ukraine into a civilian area uh, and devastated an entire apartment building, killed one person, devastated a number of market stalls. Obviously not a military installation, uh, but I think that speaks to the kind of Terror tactics that uh, they feel they've been forced to resort to. Um, Kherson is is definitely uh, definitely uh, an active zone of hostilities, though.
0: Now, Kherson is also where the referendum did the worst in the four areas that voted. Kherson was only eighty seven percent. Again, U.S. politicians would kill for those numbers, but. Eighty-seven percent of people voted in favor of rejoining Russia, whereas in Donetsk or Lugansk, it was like ninety-eight percent. Did mm-hmm.
6: did that difference well, of well, I say I say eighty-seven percent of total of the total voters, right? Uh, you know, eighty-seven percent of the votes that were submitted were in favor of uh, reunification with the Russian.
0: No, no, right. So did, did that show itself in any way? that 10% or so difference? Uh,
6: well, uh, not that I particularly noticed. I didn't, uh, see any, um, I didn't have anybody that I spoke with that, uh, seemed to be against, uh, the referendum. I, of course, you know, certainly some people declined when I asked them if they would be okay with an interview. Perhaps some of those people, uh, were those that voted against it. But, uh, yeah, in terms of just an uh, attitude, I, I didn't really observe anything that would uh, indicate that. No.
0: And if you talked to people about Zelensky and gotten? I'm I'm very curious what the people on the ground there think personally of
6: Zelensky. Did you get any sense of that? Well, the the more affected that somebody has been, you know, on a personal or familial level, I think the more likely they are to. Uh, have some serious anger uh, directed towards Zelensky directed directed towards the 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 Kiev regime in general. And so
0: do you do you you did you get that sense that people are, are angry at Zelensky?
6: Oh, absolutely. He's uh, probably the least popular man in Russia, maybe uh, right behind Alexei Navalny.
0: No, and, re- Joe, and Biden. Joe Biden. And what did you find out about? Navalny, You brought that up. That's interesting because, of course, ignorant Americans believe that he is Putin's number one political rival in Russia. But I've heard differently. What do you find out, Ryan? Yeah,
6: well, I, I, I haven't been discussing uh, him very much. I actually I haven't really heard him mentioned at all. I think he's kind of an afterthought. Uh, I don't think terribly many people spend much time thinking about Alexei Navalny. Uh, many people uh, don't even know who he is, or at least uh, didn't for many years, according to uh, opinion polls that were carried out here.
0: Right. And the Communist Party is a much bigger political rival to Putin, I understand. Have you seen any anything about that,
6: Wyatt? Yeah, well, there's certainly um, a widespread sense that things used to be better. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find uh, just about anybody who thinks that Uh, you know, what happened in the 90s when life expectancy dropped dramatically, the entire middle class was decimated and disappeared. Uh, Children were forced into prostitution uh, and a whole generation got addicted to terrible substances, uh, ridiculous rates of alcohol abuse, the return of tuberculosis. Uh, Certainly that's not a popular period in time. And and I think, uh, you know, you you see that reflected in in the desire, especially among the older generation, to go back to maybe a more collective version of society uh, that they that they felt more comfortable, more secure in. Uh, but I should also note, you know, the Communist Party, uh, when it comes to foreign policy, there is practically no daylight between them and, and Russia United and, and the party of uh, President Putin.
0: That's interesting. Now, this will sound shallow, but. Did you eat any strawberries in Kherson? I did not. I've heard Wyatt that the strawberries are supposed to be fantastic. <laughs> it's a big I, I It's a big agricultural region. That's right. So, how have your meals been in Russia? Have you been eating Russian food?
6: Yeah, I've uh, I've been able to to try bits and pieces of things. The thing is, I'm. My Russian is awful uh, in comparison to my Spanish, which is pretty good. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce many things, and I don't really remember what they're called very easily. So, uh, you know, asking me about uh, uh, about the culinary dishes of Russia—it's it's a little bit uh, out of my depth right now.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, and not to rub it in, but you miss the strawberries and croissant, and they really are supposed to be like among the best in the world, and. People talk about that all the time when they've been over there. So what single conversation have you had with anyone that's going to haunt you, that's stuck with you the most? Because I'm sure you've heard some stories that are amazing talking to people over there. So what story is going to stick with you,
6: Wyatt? Well, the the two that that really affected me the strongest... um, I, I already relayed to you earlier, uh, but uh, just in terms of, of uh, and me personally, you know, I think this this kill list thing is going to stick with me a while, uh, certainly for as long as the Ukrainian regime continues to exist. Um, if I if I could uh, go back to that for just a second, I do want to add uh, Feel free. The, the alleged crimes, the alleged crimes that they listed here. I, I've got this pulled up. Uh, include a quote: deliberate violation of the state border of Ukraine, and being a quote accomplice of Russian fascist invaders. Um, of course, this is once this kill list was once pretty universally condemned by nations in the European Union. None of them have said a word about this since February. Uh, even though, you know, as I noted, a uh, number of journalists that are on it have been killed. The Italian journalist Andrea Roccelli uh, was ki- was added to this kill list following the Maidan coup in 2014, and he was killed by the Ukrainian army that same year. You can find his photo on this uh, Myrotovarets website, which uh, that means peacemaker uh, in Ukrainian. Just to give you a sense for how dystopian this thing is, you can find his. Picture there, to this day, it's covered in big red letters that say liquidated in Ukrainian. Um, there are hundreds of children on this kill list. Uh, one of them is named Faina Gazinova, And you can see a, a, an excellent uh, interview that uh, our, our, our friends at the Gray Zone, uh, you know, uh, friends of mine uh, who are great journalists, uh, they published an, an extensive interview with her who is, uh, describes kind of what it's like to be a child um, on this kill list. She, her crime was blogging about her life in the conflict and uh, urging the UN to act to end the hostilities there. And this is, of course, a site that was founded by a man who is the Interior Ministry advisor. Uh, his name is Anton Garashenko. And uh, this website, which if you open it up, uh, you're immediately greeted with horrifying photos of mutilated corpses of Russian service members, of people perceived to have been sympathizers with Russia. Um, And uh, Anton Gerashenko was asked about this website by Al Jazeera a few years ago, back before February when you weren't allowed to talk about it. Um, And he said this website is not a punitive body, it's an inquiry office. Um, and, you know, there's kind of a lot of attempts by people who want to downplay the seriousness of this to insist that this kill list is unaffiliated with the Ukrainian regime, but it's used by border guards at checkpoints, widely used. Uh, a Ukrainian NGO named Uspish Varta found at least 101 court decisions in criminal proceedings where the rationale listed the materials of the Mirotvorets. Kill, kill site as their evidence. So their evidence was something posted on this kill list and they were, that was used to convict them. And I should also add that uh, this website is protected by a site uh, service called Cloudflare. And uh, if you're not aware, uh, earlier this month, Cloudflare decided to end its services to a website called Kiwi Farms, citing what they called an imminent threat to a streamer but they continue shielding Ukraine's kill list, even after, as I noted, a dozen journalists who were placed on it were murdered. Uh, and they even go as far as to, if you complain about it to Cloudflare, uh, they send that complaint along with your name uh, to the website's operators. So, uh, you know, this is really, it's, a, it's horrific, uh, and it's going on, and it's going on with total impunity.
0: Now, I, I, last question for Wyatt, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us on the backstory. But how did you find out that you were on the killers? What happens? So someone call you in the morning and say, "Hey, Wyatt, guess what?" You know, how did you find uh, out? Uh,
6: it wasn't a, it wasn't a phone call, but it was a, a message from somebody uh, just wanting to make sure that I'd seen it. I had not. I uh, was very appreciative that they sent this to me. I found it on a uh, a, a streaming uh, a show called Foreign Agent that uh, uh, seemed to be uh, pretty well produced. That I was pretty impressed by. Uh, they mentioned that I, alongside uh, other journalists like Eva Bartlett uh, and Vanessa Beely, had been listed on this uh, website for the crimes of journalism.
0: So, why Reed, thanks for taking the time to talk to us about your experience in Kherson and in Crimea, and in Russia, and being on the kill list. Let let me, uh, have you done any tourist stuff, Lenin's Tomb and so on?
6: I have missed Lenin's Tomb. I got a chance to go to Red Square, absolutely beautiful, to walk around over there. I got a chance to ride around on the metro, which is just gorgeous. You know, if you've ever ridden around in the uh, Subway in New York—it's uh, a hellhole. It's uh, uh, the word uh, that Trump used to describe a uh, number of countries. Uh, that's that's what it's like uh, in our metro stations. If you come here, they're gorgeous. It looks like you're walking through an opera house. There's massive statues everywhere, uh, mosaics, beautiful works of art constantly popping out all over the place. Uh, it's it's I've had a uh, Limited chance so far to, to see everything I want to, um, but I have seen some pretty cool stuff so far. Uh, today I got a chance to go out again to uh, to Red Square and watch as tens of thousands of people came out to celebrate this, uh, this referendum after uh, Vladimir Putin announced he was going to sign these declarations and he gave a, a pretty momentous speech. Uh, tens of thousands of people. Came out, flooded the streets uh, for a concert to come out, waving massive Russian flags. Uh, It was a pretty, uh, pretty incredible sight. Although I, I can't imagine that uh, if unless you're watching, uh, listening to Sputnik and watching RT, I can't imagine that you uh, you're going to see it anytime soon.
0: But that's why we're here. And again, thank you so much for your work, Wyatt. And uh, I'm sorry that you're facing this threat because. Your only crime is telling the truth, and you do a great job of that. Wyatt Reed, thanks for joining us on The Backstory. Have a good time
6: in Moscow. Appreciate it, Lee. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So there you have it. Great interview with Sputnik correspondent, Wyatt Reed, in Moscow.
1: What did you think of that, Rod? I think that's uh, brave of uh, of Wyatt, you know, especially after being on the uh, on the kill list that's, uh, translated the peacemaker. And then, uh, there's this, uh, uh, video game Lee where the, the shotguns named the peacemaker. So, uh, it's kind of ironic if you think about it.
0: it, it is, but I'll say this to our audience. You are brave. Just by the, you listening to truth, I, I don't really care what your opinion is. You can have any opinion you want, but the fact that you're listening to the show shows that you're interested in the facts beyond the narrative. And I really admire all our audience. Do you feel similar, Rod?
1: Yeah, no, we definitely have a, a great audience and callers who call and interact with us. They don't have you know, you don't have to agree with us. To, uh, you know, we uh, we welcome debate, but so we, we have a lot of smart callers, Lee, so it's great to hear that. It's great, to hear, great to hear from them. Yeah,
0: and I really do hope One of the reasons I'd like to talk about the food and the tourist stuff in Russia is I think I, I really pray and dream of a day when America can treat Russia just like another country, like we treat Canada or England, a place that's interesting to visit. Does that make sense, Rod?
1: 100%
0: because I do think it's an interesting country. And I think if Americans could get over the fear that's been taught to them their entire life, we could have peace and prosperity on this earth. I think it's a possible dream. But it starts like Russell Bentley said the other day, Russia is right, and I'm proud to defend Russia. and Given the people that Russia is up against, the bad guys, I'm more proud of that every day. And I'm proud of you for being part of the audience. Thanks so much. And I want everyone to have a great weekend. I'm Lee Stranahan. Thanks to all our crew. And this has been the Backstory.